Hey everyone, you are listening to the 5-1 Volleyball Podcast, which is most likely the best way to follow the world of men's professional volleyball. In this podcast, I'm going to go over my final four VNL preview with Brazil, Poland, Slovenia. Yeah, that's right. And France. And also, uh, I have some audio I recorded for YouTube for my team of the tournament, as well as kind of an analysis of each of the 16 teams on their current level of play and their future level of play, which I hope to use in a YouTube video, but we'll see how much time I have to edit. Either way, hope you guys enjoy this podcast and hope you're excited for the VNL Final Four because it's, it's going to be a fun one. All right, so first let's talk about what is definitely the more fun matchup, at least in my opinion, and that is Slovenia versus Poland, which, I mean, to me, that is just too hilarious. <laughs> that of all the teams that Poland could have drawn, could have faced in the VNL semifinals, you know, it had to be Slovenia, who is perhaps the only team to consistently beat Poland for some reason over the last few years. Most notably recently at the European 2019 Championships, which is one of the only times that Poland had their full strength roster, including Wilfredo Leon available. And Slovenia taking it to them in that tournament. Tons of errors to be fair in Poland for that one. 19 service errors, 20 attacking errors for Poland. But I mean, Slovenia made a lot of errors in that game as well. But Slovenia, I feel like, is playing a very different style, as I mentioned in the YouTube video as well, than they did at Eurovolian in the past. They basically are relying on their blocking and defense to slow down opposing attackers, and then running a lot of Clement Chebul in the front row, especially, yeah, in position four, relying on him as their leading scorer and offensive creator. And I mean, it makes sense. They kind of probably looked at Tonchak Stern, he's like, Wow, this guy never hits above 30% efficiency. Is actually not very good. They probably looked at Teen Air now and they're like, man, this guy is a Slovenian legend, great player, but he's getting pretty old. And then Clement Chebul has this unreal season in Rosovia. Uh, does very well there, especially scoring the ball. So, I mean, great, great coaching move um, for Slovenia by Alberto Giuliani to kind of structure his team with um, Clement Chebul as the offensive focal points. And yeah, this team's way better at back row defense than I thought they were. Tons of really fun digs and defensive sequences from Slovenia. It's still really tough for me to pick against Poland, though. Poland, even though they were playing all these different lineups, were the best in almost every statistical category. Teams could not score against them. Teams could not break their reception. They were blocking teams all over the place. They were scoring easily. One of the most efficient attacking teams, the best serving team. So, I mean, it's tough to see Slovenia uh, take care of that. But, I mean, if any team can do it, it it's probably Slovenia. Uh, just because it's probably almost a mental factor at this point. I guess uh, one of the things I can see going wrong for Poland is that they are a pretty serve-dependent team. Like, I mean, as we saw a little bit in the... Eurovolley championships in 2019, a lot of jump servers on the team, a lot of powerful jump servers on the team, most notably Wilfredo Leon and Matej Biniak, two of the best servers in volleyball. But 
if you catch them in a game where they start to make a lot of errors, you know, if they get to the five plus air mark each, that, you know, even for a team like Poland, that's that's going to be tough to overcome. And, you know, USA kind of has this issue a little bit too sometimes where they have these really strong jump servers, which work so well and can get you these huge runs when it's working. But on the flip side, you, you are definitely playing a more risky game and that can cause you to lose to teams that I consider weaker. Um, you know, I, I do consider Slovenia talent-wise to be, to be quite a bit weaker than Poland. So sometimes that can uh, bite you in the back. And also, as I said on the YouTube video as well, I would love to see one of the other outside hitters get in for Mihal Kubiak. I mean, this is a very much a personal thing for me, but I feel like the importance of, you know, these leadership and directional ability of not specifically Mihal Kubiak, but just generally overall. I mean, at a certain point, there has to be a line drawn where this nebulous leadership aspect of it doesn't counteract the fact that Schlifka and Semenyik are a lot better volleyball players, in my opinion. Or at least, obviously, Kubiak was one of the best players in the world, but has clearly uh, declined a bit athletically. It just seems to me to be one of those things that we've kind of gotten past in other sports, these kind of, you know, old school style coaching thoughts where, yeah, of course we have to have this guy out there. He's, he's the energy of the team. He's the spirit of the team. But, you know, when you actually look past the emotions and look at the numbers and look at the analytics, even if the players around him don't feel as confident when they're playing, just having a higher level player overall brings up the level of the team. So I don't think we'll see that. I don't think volleyball, we're, we're at that stage yet where we can really have more objective analysis of teams, but um, you know, it's not like Kubiak is some scrub. He's still an elite back row player, uh, you know, an elite skill level player, a guy who can, who can get a lot of points, but yeah, I guess just doesn't quite have it like he used to, and especially Semenik and Slifgar are two A-plus elite outside hitters. Anyway, I am going to pick Poland in four. On the other side of the bracket for the VNL 2021 Final Four, we have Brazil versus France, Saturday, June 26, 11.30 CST for the Europeans, and unfortunately, 5.30 or even 2.30 a.m. for the North Americans. So sorry, guys. Gotta get up early for this one. I've been getting up early to watch basketball all year. You guys can get up early to watch a little volleyball. This is actually, you know, a very interesting matchup to me because France, even though they didn't perform quite as well as Brazil as a whole for the tournament, I feel like they always play Brazil quite well. They're one of the only other teams that can match Brazil's just absurdly high level of ball control, ball skills, and the ability to, you know, keep balls alive and keep rallies going that I think Brazil's just not used to playing other teams who can do the same things they do, so it frustrates them. France beat Brazil 3-0 when they fought in the VNL this year. That was that game with that crazy, crazy first set, 37-39, if you want an example of the kind of a back and forth game these two teams can have. And both the times previously were five setters, one where Brazil won in the uh, World Championships 2018, and of course... The other one that was broadcast on YouTube, a game I know got a lot of people watching professional volleyball for the first time, 
Brazil versus France at the VNL 2017 that France actually won. So I had some suspicions in my pre-tournament analysis and previews that you know France had missed their window, that their core guys are a bit older. And I, I'm not completely, completely uh, out of the woods when it comes to that yet. Irvin Engapet definitely seems to have slowed down a bit. He only hit 33% efficiency in past at a 2.02 out of three using the, the three number passing scale, which are not terrible numbers by any means, but pretty low for Irvin Engapet. For, for comparison, Stephen Marr, who who you know in my in my head had a terrible tournament looks very like injured and didn't play well out there he had a 32 percent of hitting efficiency and passed at a 2.05 so actually played about the same as Engapet. obviously Engapet brings his uh secondary setting and back row defense and serving as big parts of his game but still a little concerning but you know like kubiak uh it's going to be a long time before anyone has the confidence to bench a player in personality like Irving Gapet. Other than him though, you know, Jenny Grabenikov, I picked as my libero of the tournament, still looking great. Benjamin Taniuti obviously had just won Super Finals with Zaxxon is still looking good as well though. Antoine Brizard, that's gonna be a tough choice for those guys. Kevin LaRue is injured and nowhere to be found, but I think like I said on my last podcast, probably wouldn't have started him even if he had been at the tournament, Lagoff and Chin and Yaz are doing a great, great job in the middle. And the most surprising player for me on France was definitely Kevin Tilly, who hit 47% efficiency, somehow like 20% higher than is Mark in Cisterna. I, I, I need to go watch some more Kevin Tilly tape because that is an insane improvement and might be like the best we've ever seen Kevin Tilly hit after like three straight years of him being almost uh, being a libero because he was... You know, he's still a great passer, but he was almost completely ineffective in hitting. But maybe this is a lesson that uh, maybe we judge players too much. We don't know their medical history. We don't actually know how much injuries are affecting someone at a certain point in time because things like a nagging ankle or hip injury can really, really hurt your ability to jump and to, you know, have body control in the air. And that, and that, that can affect your hitting so much when you're playing at this level. So for France, feeling quite good about them. I guess the only question with the lineup is who we're going to see between uh, Trevor Cleveno and Kevin Tilly at the second outside hitter position, and who we're going to see either Brizard or Ben Taniuti at the setter position. And part of me feels like those guys are kind of a package deal. Either we'll see Brizard and Tilly together, or we'll see Taniuti and Cleveno together. But anyway, enough about France. I talked like five minutes about France. Let's talk a little bit about Brazil, who, you know, I was looking through the data and the stats for Brazil, and it's kind of interesting to me uh, how they were one of the top teams in, or the top team in Volleyball Nations League this year, because they're actually middle of the pack in a lot of pretty important stats, or stats we think are important, like uh, the level of their passing. It's about average. Their number of aces and the average level of pass of their opponent which measures your serving power about average blocking actually was below average for vnl 2021 so it's interesting you would think a team not excelling in those stats would not be successful but if you guys are listening to this podcast you probably like thinking about things a bit more uh, a bit deeper a bit more analytically 
And a few very important stats that Brazil led in. Hitting efficiency. They terminated on the ball very well. They made very, very few errors compared to a lot of teams. Serving the least errors in the tournament while still being, like I said, a middle-of-the-pack average serving teams in, in terms of aces and opponent passing. Attacking and reception errors, they were also very low. And all of this led to one of the highest uh, first ball side-out percentages in VNL. So they were a team that almost never gave up runs. They were always in the match. And I think like a good example of that is the French match where you know France cannot break this Brazil team because even though maybe they're not passing the ball perfectly to the setter, their setters are so good they can still run, you know, a three or four option offense and they're not giving up aces and they're not missing the ball when they attack even if they're not scoring. So that gives an opportunity for the Brazilian defense, which is very good. They were the best uh, digging team in the tournament as well. So that gave an opportunity for their defense to get the ball back. And Brazil, even on bad passes, still has great outlet options in guys like um, Wallace D'Souza, guys like Alan Souza, guys like Lucarelli, guys like Leal, guys like, you know, even with Bruno and Cachopa, they'll run. Uh, Flavio and guys like that out of system so that's kind of what makes Brazil such a good team and it's it's interesting because it's such a different way you know that Poland and France and Slovenia and some of these other teams play which is great until you run into a team like France which is going to be just as stubborn as you are and is also not going to give up the easy errors that maybe some of the more aggressive teams like a, a Poland or a Russia or teams like that would give up against you. France is also going to play it safe and control the ball and it's gonna be it's gonna be a grinded out match that I actually think I actually think France will take this one in five as is tradition with these teams leading up to a rematch of the Euro Volley 2019 bronze medal match France versus Poland which I believe Poland will win with just just the overwhelming amount of firepower and service power that they have Grubenikov is the best receiver in the world, but even he is not up quite to the task of, of defending against Wilfredo Leon. Anyway, guys, hope you enjoyed this part of the podcast. I'm going to do my team analysis and players of the tournament sections now. So enjoy the rest of the podcast. First up, we have Australia, who I gave a two for both current talent and future potential. Unfortunately, like we predicted, didn't really see much for the Australian team. Toby Aziz, I guess was kind of interesting, an athletic guy, but still has a long way to go for skill level. Australia was last in most statistical categories as well, and I think they definitely proved that skill does beat size when it comes to top level volleyball. Bulgaria, I gave a four for current talent level and a seven for future potential, perhaps a bit generously considering how poorly they did at VNL. But I do like their collection of young players, and I do think they would be a lot better if they actually tried at a tournament. However, it is a little concerning that Martina Tanisov and Radu Perapunov were the two least efficient hitters out of anyone with more than 50 points at the VNL. However, Asperu Asparov looked pretty good, and Jorgi Petrov still has some potential as well. The Netherlands, I gave a 3 for current talent level, of pretty much most of that going to Namir Abdelaziz, and then a 2 for future potential. Unfortunately, there's still big issues with the setting position. 
They're last place in the VNL in defense and digs. And as for future prospects, I liked Benny Tweenstra, but if he's your best guy that you're relying on to be the star of your team, not the best look. For Germany, I gave them a four for current talent level and a seven for future potential, just like Bulgaria. And like Bulgaria, I felt like they could have played better at the tournament if they wanted to and obviously did not bring their top level lineup. They don't really have a superstar prospect, but they do have multiple guys spread out between lots of positions like Anton Brem, Tobias Krieg, Linus Weber, Julian Zenger, Moritz Karlitzek, Moritz Peixart. You know, lots of guys who are going to be solid starters and nice and spread out between the positions. You don't want all your best players to be at the same position like Serbia. Next up, the team that by my own personal preseason rankings was the most overrated team going into the tournament, and that's Iran. So I gave them a 6 for their current level of play, but I also gave them a 9 for the future potential. I think the future is really bright with Iran. They won the U21-2019 World Championships. We see a lot of those players starting to blossom now. We got to see Isfandiar, Salehi, Kazemi, Hazrapur, Sadat, Yali, and then a couple of players that weren't even at the VNL who are good prospects, uh, Tukte, uh, Javad, Karim. Also, I didn't even mention Morteza Sharifi. Like The talent level in Iran is going to be very high in the next few years, as long as they get their players getting some experience overseas. future is very bright. A team that really surprised me with their play this tournament was Italy. And I gave them a 5 for their level of play and a 9 for the future potential. I'm really glad that the rest of the world, or at least the volleyball world, knows about Alessandro Micheletto now. He is amazing. He's a unicorn of volleyball. Such a unique player to be that tall, pass that well. And you can see the hitting is starting to develop as we thought it would. He came at the perfect time because Italy was really searching for that second outside in the Olympic roster. And now I'm going to have to probably move them up my Olympic rankings because he, he really completes that starting lineup alongside Gianelli, Zaitsev, Juan Terena, and Simone Anzani that will be joining the team. For Argentina, I give them a six current talent level, seven for potential. Unfortunately, we didn't really see a full strength Argentina lineup play that much during the tournament. They had a few good wins early on, but really faded as the tournament went on. Didn't really get to see as much of Santiago Donani, Mateus Sanchez, Augustin Lozer, Luciano Polanski, those kind of nice prospects that I wanted to watch more of. And they still really have a big hole to fill at opposite, but Argentina with their top lineup is always going to be a dangerous team wherever they play. And next up, Canada, who had a terrible start to the tournament, looked like they were barely even trying to play volleyball, but turned it around, won the last five, played spoiler to Serbia in that exciting last match. Overall, though, still probably a disappointing tournament. Still a lot of question marks in terms of the starters for several positions for Canada. However, I gave them a 6 for current talent level and a 8 for future potential. I still think the future is quite bright in Canada with Shawan Vernon-Evans, Eric Lepke, who didn't have the coming out party like I thought he might, but still very solid player. Arthur Schwartz, Derek Epp, Xander Ketrzynski. I think there's a lot of guys coming up in Canada who could play at the top level. The USA finished lower than myself and a lot of people predicted. However, you guys watched the tournament. Sparad did not send out his best lineups anywhere close to all the games. They were dealing with injuries to Matt Anderson, injuries to Taylor Sander, Micah Christensen had a baby. Congrats to Micah, by the way. For the USA, I gave them a current level of nine. Still an incredible team with top players at every position. And DeFalco played really well, so I feel better 
about Aaron Russell missing the Olympics because of his injury. However, I only gave them a four for future potential. Outside of DeFalco, Jendrick, and Gage Worsley, I think that future talent for the USA is pretty barren. Hopefully there's a younger generation of 16, 17 year old boys now that will replace the Micah Christensen, Taylor Sander generation when they get old and retire. Serbia actually gets the same ratings as the USA. Talent level right now, I would say a nine and future potential also a four. Serbia is clearly a very strong team. I mean, they won Eurovolley 2019, if you remember. Absolute shame that they're missing the Olympics. Their middles are fun to watch and three top tier middles in Chris Manovic, Lizanac Podrashinin. Marko Ivovic had a fantastic tournament. So did Kovacevic when he was healthy. However, on the horizon, like the USA, I don't really see um, a lot of players filling in the gap. Their best prospect, Bozidar Vucicevic, plays opposite, which, like I mentioned earlier, Serbia hardly needs that position right now. They haven't been doing that well at youth tournaments as well recently, so after this generation of Serbian players, they might be taking a little bit of a step back. France is a team that I knew was good, but impressed me even more with their level of play during this tournament. I gave them a nine for current talent level and a six for future potential. I think after this tournament, I would not be that surprised if they won a medal at the Olympics. Still, they have some difficult lineup decisions to make just because so many players were playing so well during Vienna, like Brizard versus Taniuti, uh, Tilly versus Cleveno, Boyer versus uh, Jean Patry. It's gonna be tough. For their future players, obviously it's headlined by Barthelemy Chenignesi or, or Chenignez. I feel like I've heard it both ways so many times. He's looking like a future, one of the best middles in the world. Obviously a hard worker who improves every year. They also have Ibrahim Lawani, who we didn't see at this tournament. Timothy Carlet, who we didn't see at this tournament. So there's some guys out there for France that I'm looking forward to watching more in the future. Russia was my pick to win the entire VNL through the three-peat. Unfortunately, they just barely missed out on making the final four. However, I still gave them a 10 for talent level and nine for potential. Actually, Russia might prefer losing early. I mean, they won the last two VNLs and, and look how they did at the 2018 World Championships. If they're healthy, Russia's top lineup is gonna be really, really good. You know, I don't really know exactly what that top lineup will be, but it'll definitely be strong and an Olympic contender. For future potential, they almost have too many guys to list, but uh, I think the future of Russia is very, very safe. Poland had a completely dominant tournament using a variety of different roster combinations, just like we expected. Wilfredo Leon obviously was insane to watch when he did see the court with a 30% ace percentage meeting. Almost one out of every three times he served, he was scoring an ace. Absolutely nuts. For Poland, I gave them a 10 for current talent level. They're absolutely stacked with the world's best players at every single position except for setter. And I guess for me, the only slight question is Michal Kubiak. You know, I know a lot of people say he's the leader, he's the energy of the team. However, for me, like it doesn't make sense if you know Camille Semenyuk or Alexander Slifkar are hitting, passing, and serving like 10% higher than him. I think it's better to just start one of those guys and Kubiak can do lots of cheering and support from the bench. For future potential, I gave Poland a nine. And the only reason why I didn't give them a 10 is because most of their prospects are already 22, 23, 24, guys like 
Kohanovsky, Bartosz Folek, Tomasz Fornal. And the only guy younger than that I see as a surefire star is the outside hitter, Michal Gierzot. But I'm sure Poland will find plenty of other top-level players by the time they get to more senior levels. And then the number one team in the tournament, Brazil, who I gave a 10, well-deserved for talent level, 9 for future potential. I mean, I don't really have that much to say about Brazil. Elite from top to bottom on this VNL roster, super fun to watch with all their great defense and skillful play. For Brazil, though, it'll be interesting to see if guys like Bruno, Lucas Sackcamp, the Mauricio brothers, Wallace D'Souza, if those guys will stick around for the next Olympic cycle or, you know, they'll pass the torch on to this next generation of players who's looking very, very strong. First up, we have outside hitter and I didn't pick Wilfredo Leon. I didn't pick Yuki Ishikawa. I actually picked Clement Chebul, the Slovenian outside hitter for the first spot. He played an unexpected role, at least for me, in the Slovenian offense being the focal point and leading scorer of the team. Pretty much every out of system ball went to Clement and he still hit above 40% efficiency while being one of the leading scorers of the tournament. Maybe we should have seen this coming given his role that he played in Rosovia during the club season, but nonetheless, very good season for uh, Clement Chebul. But maybe even more surprising than Chebul is my other pick for outside hitter of the tournament, which is Kevin Tilly, who went from hitting 28% efficiency in his pro club season in Italy and Sisterna to hitting 47% efficiency with France in the VNL, who is tied for best outside hitter with Wilfredo Leon. Absolutely crazy from Kevin Tilly, and he's still bringing it in reception and defense, hitting a lot more from the back row than usual, and has this really nice connection with Antoine Brizard, which I haven't really seen that much before. So Kevin Tilly, great tournament. We'll see if he's a starter for the Olympics. Me, though, probably still would go with Cleveno as the safe pick. For my best opposite of the VNL 2021, I picked Wallace D'Souza of Brazil. Incredibly entertaining, unique player to watch. Has a very cool hitting style that I still haven't seen replicated almost anywhere. Led opposites in efficiency and was one of the leading scorers of the tournament. It was between him and Maxim Mikhailov, but for me, the higher hitting efficiency of Wallace was more valuable as an opposite than the better blocking and floor defense that Mikhailov brought during this VNL tournament. For my first middle blocker pick, I chose Marko Bedrashanin, the Serbian middle blocker who led the entire VNL in stuff blocks. And he wasn't just chasing the highlight plays, chasing the monster block animation. He actually had a really fundamentally sound blocking throughout the tournament, had a very high block touch percentage, and you know was one of the main reasons why Serbia was able to have a really effective block defense while not being as good on the defense part of the block defense. Also with Pedrashin, I feel like he is underrated in attack. You know, he might not be scoring three points per set like the best middles, but he will give you very efficient attacking. For my second middle blocker position, there were a few guys in contention, Jakub Kochanowski, Isaac Santos, Jan Kozimernik, but I went with actually another Polish middle, Matej Biniak, who despite maybe being the lowest ranked of the three elite Polish middles going into the tournament ended up being the best statistically in attacking, blocking, and especially serving, where he had a 15% ace percentage, which is only two percentage points lower than Namir Abdelaziz. He has that really nasty hybrid 
two-handed toss, uh, spin most of the time, float some of the time, and defenders still haven't figured out how to deal with a combination of spin, float, and that really high contact point that he serves from. At the setter position, which I always find is the toughest position usually to pick, but in this case, I chose a player who I wasn't even sure was going to start at the beginning of the tournament, and that's the Slovenian setter, Gregor Repret. And he's not the most creative setter. He doesn't have the hands of Maruf. He doesn't have the crazy high contact and speed of Pavel Pankov, but he is a really smooth, effective, consistent setter, which I think was exactly what the Slovenian team needed. And I think with him in the equation, Slovenia becomes a lot more dangerous and maybe more of a contender. Again, I keep saying it, but really a shame Slovenia is going to miss the Olympics. And last but not least, we have Libero. And, you know, this guy, I don't think there's ever been an option to pick him for one of these videos where I haven't picked him. And not changing that trend this time, it's Jenny Grabenikov, who was the leading receiver of the VNL with more than 100 attempts, averaged two digs per set, and, you know, a lot of those were absolutely insane highlight digs. The level of body control and hand-eye coordination on this guy is just unbelievable. He makes probably two or three plays per match that I don't see anyone else in volleyball making. And there's really only a few volleyball players I can say that about. Unique and talented guys like Wilfredo Leon, Luciano Decheco, Dmitry Mazursky. Guys, Grabenikov is special. He might be the best libero we'll ever see. And I hope you guys are appreciating him as much as I am. All right, we're finally done. VNL Final Four starts full force on Saturday. Going to be a great weekend with the matches happening on Saturday and then the finals and bronze medal match on Sunday. It's been great to get back to international volleyball. I've enjoyed watching and especially the dual commentary, the behind the court camera angles. Great job uh, introducing these production enhancements. Could still be better, still would like to see even more behind the court camera angles. Would love to see the matches in 50 frames per second, even if that means going down to 720 resolution. But definitely uh, steps in the right direction. So, uh, so if you guys want to come talk with me and a lot of other volleyball fans about the games going on this weekend, uh, you can head on over to... Uh, the Volleyball Source Discord, which has been doing very well recently, fun place to hang out, talking about pro volleyball. Uh, if you need the link to that, just uh, DM me on Instagram is probably the best way. Or if you don't have Instagram, uh, email me at 51vb at gmail.com and I'll send you an invite link to that Discord. Probably a lot of you listening are already in it, but uh, just thought I'd shout that out to uh, in case there's anyone who still wasn't aware of that. All right, guys, I'll talk to you after the VNL next week.